Today, I want to share with you a, uh, a message that might be called just an ordinary message. It's not ordinary in the sense that it's dull or boring. It's ordinary in the sense that it applies to normal people, not just the, uh, the super saints, so to speak. It's amazing to me to see how ordinary people sometimes rise above mediocrity to accomplish great things in their life. Abraham Lincoln, for instance, was born in a log cabin, yet became one of our nation's greatest presidents. Michael Jordan, you may not know this, but Jordan was cut from his middle school basketball team because the coach said he was just an ordinary player. Dolly Parton, whether you like her or not, Dolly was born in poverty in the Smoky Mountains and she is the only recording artist to have a top ten hit in the last six decades. That's pretty amazing. Just an ordinary girl from the Smokies. But even more amazing than those are is the fact that God uses ordinary people. If you count yourself as being just an ordinary Joe, an ordinary gal, I want you to know today that God specializes in using ordinary people. And this is truly amazing because God doesn't need us. Amen? God can do anything He chooses. God doesn't need our help. He could do it all Himself if He wanted to. He knows where He's going, and He knows how to get there, yet He chooses to use ordinary people like me and you. And that's a blessing. Here's an ordinary person, Billy Graham. Billy Graham was born and raised on a dairy farm. And yet, for decades, God chose to use Billy Graham to draw hundreds of thousands of people to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Just an ordinary Joe, right? Another famous evangelist is a guy named Billy Sunday. And Billy Sunday once said this. He said, I was born and bred on an, in an Iowa farm. The odors of the barnyard are still on me. And he said, I've crawled out of the university of poverty. I've crawled out of the university of hard knocks. I've said I'd done it when I should have said I did it. I said I saw it when I should have said I seen it. But I expect to get to heaven just the same. Just an ordinary Joe that God used for his glory. Now, the Bible gives us plenty of evidence that God uses ordinary people. Let me share a few with you. There was this one guy, you may have heard of him, his name was Moses, born to an ordinary Hebrew couple, and yet led the people of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land. Then there was this guy, you may have heard of him, David. David, the king of all Israel for, for decades began his, his career as an ordinary shepherd. Then there was a guy named Joseph who was also a shepherd, but became an ordinary slave 
until such time that he rose to power and became the Pharaoh's right-hand man. Then there was the disciples of Jesus. Now that was an ordinary bunch, huh? Think about it. Jesus' disciples were fishermen. One of them was a tax collector. The apostle Paul was basically an ordinary terrorist killing Christians before he came to Christ. But all of these disciples were tainted with ordinary human qualities. And I think that if you look in the mirror this morning, you could probably look at yourself and say, you're pretty ordinary. You're a pretty ordinary person. And I want you to know this morning, if you don't leave here with anything else, that you know that the person you saw in the mirror this morning is just the kind of person that God wants to use to glorify His name. You're the one that God wants to use to bring glory to His name and grow the kingdom of heaven. Now today, we're going to look at one particular story that perfectly illustrates how God uses ordinary people just like me and you. It's found in Acts chapter 4, and I was going to start in verse 8, but I want to start in verse 1 to give you a little bit of background, a little context. And what you need to know here is the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, are getting ready to get arrested. And the reason they're going to be arrested is because they keep speaking about this man that they healed. This man who was lame since birth, they healed him and healed him in the name of Jesus. And it created this stir in the city. And so the, the people in the religious establishment are more than a little irritated. And so we're going to find out how God used ordinary Peter and ordinary John. Verse 1 of chapter 4 in Acts. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, and they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So in other words, they wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Right? Ordinary guys, but they just wouldn't hush about Jesus being raised from the dead. And they laid hands on them. The, the, the security patrol laid hands on Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word, many of those who heard Peter and John preaching, believed. They heard the word, they believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. So God was using these ordinary Joes, amen? Verse 5, And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, this is important, by what power or by what name have you done this thing? By what power or what name did you heal this lame man, lame since birth? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all, 
and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by Him this man stands before you whole. He goes on to say, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there any salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now this is the important verse, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. The New Living Translation translates that last verse this way. The religious leaders were amazed when they saw the boldness of the Apostle Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men. No special training in the Scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So today's today's message is going to come almost entirely from verse 13. Because I see that divided into three phrases. Three phrases that show us God's view on how He uses ordinary people like me and you. The first phrase in Acts chapter 4, 13 tells us that ordinary people led by God can make a difference. So in other words, friend, if you are led by God, you can make a difference in this world. That first phrase goes like this. The religious leaders were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. You see, Peter and John had been obediently preaching and teaching that Jesus rose from the grave three days after he'd been crucified on a cross like that one. And as a result of their preaching... Many, we read that 5,000, but there's even more before that. More than 5,000 people would turn to faith in Jesus Christ. They turned from ordinary to extraordinary, amen? So it's incredible that we realize that they're just ordinary, but they were led by God and they made a difference for the glory of God and the kingdom of heaven. But these religious leaders were upset with Peter and John. They were upset with them for creating a stir, for creating a a mess amongst the people. And it seems that Peter and John were threatening this religious establishment where people taught religion instead of relationship. And it was all coming as they preached the good news of Jesus Christ. When was the last time, my friend, when was the last time that you created a stir Amongst your friends. Because you wouldn't hush about Jesus. When was the last time you created a stir at work? Because you wouldn't hush about Jesus. When was the last time that you were at a family get together? And you created a stir. Because of your faith in Jesus. I'll let you keep those answers to yourselves. But the religious leaders here did not like that Peter and John were doing that. But they couldn't deny what Peter and John had done. They couldn't deny that by the power of Jesus and in Jesus' name, they had made this lame man walk. 
And this guy had never walked before in his whole life. Can I tell you that this type of thing is still true today? Ordinary people led by God still make a difference in our world today. And listen, people, your co-workers may not like the message. Your family may not like the message. Your circle of friends may not like the message. But let me tell you, they cannot deny your behavior. They may not like your message, but they cannot deny. They will notice your behavior and how Jesus has changed your life. So, how as ordinary people can we make a difference? Here's how. First, we make a difference when we put our confidence in Jesus and Him alone. These religious leaders, they noticed. They noticed the confidence that Peter had. And can I tell you that confidence is contagious. If you will speak on the authority of the Bible when you're talking about the Lord, it will become contagious. People will want to know what you know and what has changed your life. They'll want to know what's caused that. They'll want to know how all these blessings have come your way. And they're going to want to be a part of that. People need to know, friend, that our faith is real. And the only way they're going to know if it's real is if it changes our lives. So I pray that you're allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. I pray you're allowing your faith in Jesus to change who you are. To change your life. Because the best way, the best way to show that confidence is through a changed life. Now, there's another way that uh, we create a stir and that we make a difference, and that's when Christ changes our character. When He changes our heart, if you will. Do people notice the character of Christ in you? Do people look at the way that you live and say, she's got the heart of Christ? He acts just like Jesus. Do people notice that character in you? Peter and John were able to move from ordinary to extraordinary, the Bible says, because the Spirit of Jesus just bubbled up inside of them. And it bubbled up in such a way that it got all over everybody else. Amen? And so that's what we need to do. We need to allow the Spirit of God to fill us, bubble up within us, and overflow into their lives. And although Peter and John faced anger, they faced contempt, they were being insulted, notice that Peter still speaks to these people with great respect. Peter addresses them in verse 8 as rulers. Now, another translation of that word is honorable leaders. And so what's your point there, Bill? Well, the point is this. Peter doesn't speak their insults right back to them. He doesn't speak the contempt and the anger right back to them. Instead, Peter speaks with great respect to those people who are even insulting them. Tell you a story about this girl named Amy Beal. Amy Beal died a violent death in 1993. It seems that Amy, who was a white, 26-year-old American student, had gone from her university to South Africa. 
And the reason that she went is because she was trying to help register black voters for the first free election in South Africa. Well, while she was out driving one day, she was pulled from her car, she was stabbed and beaten to death by a mob of black men. Those black men were trying to overthrow the white supremacist government in South Africa. But after they got over the the shock of this tragedy, Amy's parents, Linda and Peter Beal, quit their jobs and they moved from California to South Africa. Now, they didn't go seeking revenge. They didn't go to make sure those guys were prosecuted. They went because they wanted to start a foundation in Amy's name. And today, two of those murderers, two of those people that murdered their daughter, work for that foundation. They call Amy's mom, Mrs. Beal, they call her Makulu. Makulu means grandma. And why do they call her that? Because that's how she treats them. Like a grandma would. Makulu, Mrs. Beal, says forgetting looks inward. It looks inward and says, I refuse to go on feeling hateful. I refuse to go on feeling vengeful because it ain't going to do me no good. We're going to follow Amy's lead and do what she would have wanted us to do. Friend, you know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of reconciliation. It would have been really easy for those parents to go over there and see to it that those murderers paid the price. But instead, they sought to reconcile those men to God. Reconciliation forgives and then restores. Forgives and then restores. Reconciliation pays back good for evil. Reconciliation follows the heart of Jesus. Reconciliation follows the character of God. Because you see, that's who we were. We were much like those black men that killed his son. In the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote to a church not terribly different from Bethel Baptist Church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18, here's what he writes. He says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us, here it comes, the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, And has committed to us, here we go, the word of reconciliation. Now then, we, church folks, 
Jesus' people, disciples, followers of Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Now, if I read that right, if I read that right, if I'm a Christian, then I'm also an ambassador for Christ. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If I'm a believer, born again, saved by the blood, then I'm also supposed to be an ambassador for Jesus. If I have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, then I also will accept the ministry of reconciliation myself. I'll make that my job. I'll make that my high calling in life. Because I'm saved, I'm also going to be part of the ministry of bringing people to God. If I've had my sins blotted out, if I've had my sins forgiven through faith in Christ, you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be about Jesus' business of imploring people, begging people, pleading with people to come to God, to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. If I'm a Christian, I'm going to make that my business. So the question has to be asked. Are you a Christian? Have you been reconciled to God? And if so, have you accepted God's call on your life to plead with others that they be saved through faith in Jesus? That they be reconciled with God like you've been? If Jesus was still on earth, you know what he'd be doing? He'd be active in the ministry of reconciliation. That's what he'd be doing. He'd be begging people. Man, life, this life is too short. I mean, our prayer list is full of people that are struggling with all manner of disease and accident. And we should be begging with people. Please be reconciled with God while you have time. Please come to Christ while you still have breath in your lungs. I beg you. Please come to Jesus while you're still alive. See, if we display the character of Christ, then we'll make a difference just like Jesus did. So it's important that we understand that ordinary people, when they're led by God, can make a difference just like Peter and John did. 5,000 people. That's amazing to me. But there's also something else we need to know. We need to know that there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. Amen? There's nothing wrong with being an ordinary Joe. Look at the second phrase there in verse 13. They could see that they were uneducated, untrained men, ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. Peter and John were ordinary guys. They were ordinary guys who chose to associate with Jesus They had no formal Bible training. But the truth is this. We're all ordinary, aren't we? We're all rather ordinary. And we're all human. And if if we're honest with each other, unless we had God's help, we'd all stay ordinary. That's all we'd ever be is ordinary. 
I read about two kids who had gone to Sunday school, and their teacher was teaching them the lesson of Lot's wife who looked back and became a pillar of salt. You remember that story? Well, after Sunday school, they were walking out, and one kid said to the other, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that, that Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt? And that kid said, well, yeah, I believe it. My mama was driving yesterday. She looked back and she turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> Amen. Here's the point. That little boy knew that his mama was just human. His mama was just an ordinary mama. Just like Lot's wife was just an ordinary lady. But friends, listen. We're all destined to be useless, ordinary, unless we look to God for our help. We need to look to Him to make us extraordinary. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples that will help you to understand how important this is. If you were to take a buzzard, a buzzard has about a, a six-foot wingspan, right? If you were to take a buzzard, and I'm not calling you buzzards, okay? But if you take a buzzard and you put a buzzard in, an, in a pen, about a six-foot by eight-foot pen that doesn't have a top, and despite his ability to fly, do you know that that buzzard would be an absolute prisoner? And the reason is this. A buzzard always begins flying by taking a little 10 to 12 foot run before it flies. From a flat one space, it can't just start flying or it won't start flying, right? It will be a prisoner for life in a small jail with no top. That's amazing to me. But how sad it is, friend, for many Christians who have wings to soar given to us by God and do God things, yet we get into these bad habits and we don't even attempt to be any more than ordinary for Jesus. We don't attempt to fly high for the cause of Christ. How sad that is. But not only the buzzard, there's also an ordinary bat. Now, you think about an ordinary bat. They are super nimble when they're flying in the air. I mean, those are some really cool characters right there. They're entirely nimble. But did you know that a bat can't take off from level ground? It'll just walk around helplessly dragging its wings because it needs a little bit of an elevation to jump off of. Then it can start its flight. Same thing with us. I think in many ways, you and I both, are just like buzzards and bats. We have these wonderful wings, but we refuse to fly. We have these wonderful God-given gifts, but we fail to use them for God's glory. We're ordinary creatures. We struggle with the problems never realizing, friend, that all we have to do is use our God-given gifts. Use our God-given gifts, friend. And we can make a difference for the cause of Christ. And again, there's nothing wrong with being ordinary. There is nothing wrong with being ordinary as long as you look to God for your strength, as long as you look to God for your ability, as long as you look to God for your courage. He'll make you extraordinary. He'll make you an extraordinary servant. Friend, you don't need formal training to be used of God. You just don't. Yeah, does it help for you to spend some time in the Scriptures? Does it help for you to spend some time in prayer? You better believe it does. 
But that is not a requirement for God to use you. Some people think you got to dress in a certain way. They think you got to think in a certain way. They think you got to act in a certain way in order for you to serve God effectively. But the truth is this. God will use you as you are, where you are, if you are surrendered to Him and Him alone. He will do a mighty work in you and through you. You don't need a Ph.D. in theology. You don't need to memorize the entire Bible cover to cover. You simply must be willing to surrender to the will of God in your life. That's where we fail. We just refuse to yield our will to God's will. Now finally, not only can ordinary people led by God make a difference, and there is nothing wrong with being ordinary The third phrase in Acts 4.13 tells us that Jesus is actually looking for people, ordinary people, to work with. Look at the third phrase in uh, verse 13. When the people looked at Peter and John, they realized that they had been with Jesus. When people look at you, do they say, she's been with Jesus. He has spent some time in the scriptures. She acts like Jesus acts. See, people people tend to remember you by the people whom you associate with. Think about this. You ever heard a, a young person cut loose with a string of profanities? And you wonder, who in the world has he been hanging out with? Well, sadly, it might be his parents. True. But what happens when you associate with Jesus? What happens when you associate with Jesus? Two things happen. First of all, Jesus is going to give you strength. Strength to make a difference. Jesus gives us strength to rise above the ordinary. To become extraordinary. And in spite of our our humanity, Jesus will give us strength and he'll work through us. Despite who we are. So he'll give us strength. But Jesus also transforms us. He transforms us inside to out. He transforms the ordinary into extraordinary. He transforms the ordinary person into an extraordinary servant of God. He'll do it if we will associate with him. I read this, that an ordinary bar of steel costs about five bucks. But if you take that ordinary bar of steel and you use it to make uh, ordinary horseshoes, with it, then it would be worth about 10 bucks. If you take that same bar of steel and you turn that steel into needles, hypodermic needles, well, the value of that steel, that one bar of steel, rises to about 350 bucks. And if you take that same bar of steel and you use it and you shape it and you make it into delicate springs for, a, for Rolex watches, then that ordinary bar of steel becomes worth $250,000. So what's the point there? The worth of that bar of steel is all in the hands of its manufacturer. An ordinary life, your ordinary life in the hands of Jesus can become an extraordinary life. 
your ordinary life in the hands of Jesus can become an extraordinary life. So friend, listen, if you're ordinary, I got good news for you. God is looking for people just like you. If you just be willing, willing to surrender your life and be used by Him. God is looking for availability, not ability. God is looking for willing hearts, not high IQs. So I plead with you today. If you have not trusted Jesus with your life on earth and your life after earth, that you would do that today because that's where it all begins. Coming to Christ. I plead with you. I implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God today. God wants to use you. No matter how ordinary you may think you are, God wants to use you. And so the question is, is are you ordinary enough to be used by the hand of God? Today, I want you to know that you can be better than you think you are. You can be better than you think you can become. But it may all begin with you coming to Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father God, I'm thankful that...